What's up, guys? How's it going? It's me, Anthony Sosa, and welcome and thank you for listening to As An Artist, a local famous records podcast about local artists, their art, the creative process, and the local scene. On this episode, we have Joe Guzman. Joe is the frontman and keyboardist of Flow State and a passionate artist who also organized the upcoming Psychedelic Panther Festival at Mass, uh, coming up here real soon on April 15th. We had a really nice conversation. This was a lot of fun. Uh, this is the first interview that I've done on this podcast, and I look forward to doing more of these, where I didn't have a prior history uh, with the guest. And so I was getting to know Joe during this podcast. Uh, and you can kind of tell I'm a little, I'm a little scattered kind of as we go through. Uh, I wish I would have prepared a little bit better, to be honest, on this episode, but we still have a lot of fun. We talk about quite a few things. We talk about Joe starting to play piano early, but then kind of transitioning to guitar before going back to piano and keys. We share some onstage nightmares, and I'm just like, I don't want to spoil what is said in this conversation, but it's it's pretty... Um, it's pretty hilarious and crazy. And so I'll just let you, well, you'll just get to that when you, when you get there, I'm not going to spoil that here, but that, that part of the conversation is, is awesome. Um, and then we kind of talk about, you know, the beginnings of flow state, how the band started the creative process therein, the first kind of songs that they wrote and how they transition. Uh, they are coming out with a new, uh, EP, I believe here pretty soon here on the, on the 19th of March. Um, that show is also at mass. And, uh, at the end of the podcast, we're going to get to listen to one of those songs. My iron will is the name of that track. So we had a good time. I, so, so, <laughs> so Joe reached out to me about this, uh, about coming on and he really wanted to talk about the psychedelic Panther festival. Like that was kind of one of the main thing he wanted to talk about. So when we came on and have the conversation, I get through the pretty much the whole interview, just really focusing on Joe and focusing on flow state and kind of like the musical side of the creative process. And it's completely slips my mind to talk about the the festival. And so at the very towards the end of the podcast, I kind of like prematurely try and end and, and Joe, thankfully, uh, stops me and like wants to talk about the festival for a minute. So the, about the past 10 minutes of the podcast is that we, we talk about that, but I totally step in it, uh, about an hour into this thing. So just, you know, have fun with that and, uh, yeah, stick around for the brand new single by flow state, my iron will at the end of the podcast and enjoy the show. Awesome, Joseph. Thank you so much for for coming in. This is this is this is gonna be a lot of fun. So let's like start from the beginning. You know, how long? Uh, oh, okay. How long have you lived in the DFW area first? Um, all of my life. All of your life, basically since uh, winter of nineteen eighty nine. So <laughs> okay, most of my life. <laughs> awesome. So okay, eighty nine. Yes. What a, you know, go, growing up. Uh, how was how was it here? Where were you in the DFW area? How I was in Euless, like? uh, Texas. Euless, yeah, for the longest time. Well, first I started in Halton City. Okay, you know, so it's really Fort Worth side, and then I we migrated to Euless, you know, in the in ninety three. So yeah. Okay. Very cool. So what was uh, what was music like in your home? Is that is that your only art? Do you do you feel like you're a musician, or do you define yourself as an artist in other ways as well? I, uh, I'm an artist. Um, I just don't showcase the other arts as much. But uh, there's music in there. There's uh, charcoal drawing. There's uh, graphic design uh -huh. that I do sometimes. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I, I heard somebody say once, art is in the hands. So people do dedicate themselves to a lot of things. Yeah. And just because you can't see it portrayed as a form of expression doesn't mean that it's not art. Uh, mechanics, for example, you know, the way that they are dedicated and you know, into what they do, working with their hands, is a translation of the art that we have inside. So it's, it's just, you know, 
it's a uh, I, I I can define it in the conventional sense or, or in the cosmic sense, but you know. Okay. You know okay. I mean? no, arts I arts everywhere. You know? I agree, and I, I think that's a big reason why I'm doing the podcast too. I feel like every artist, you know, we all kind of have our own different perspectives to offer in regards to what we're doing, what we're making. <laughs> Uh, and some of us recognize what we're making, you know, more than others. Some people I've talked to some people and it, well, maybe what we're doing is an art, you know. Yeah. Um, but I certainly want to know want to know about your art. What inspires your art? So what uh, what, what's the first thing that you just remember being, you know, really odd by and at what age and how old were you? Well, it, it, it's always been music. The desire for music has always been there. I grew up with my grandparents, and one of my earlier memories was my grandma blasting 50s rock, like Richie Valens and, okay. and things of that nature. And I would pick up the broom, and I would make believe that I was playing. So the music was already in my head and in my sphere for, for the longest time. Nice. And you know, then came, of course, uh, some, some visual art, but that wasn't a path that I was as obsessed with. Gotcha. So... Gotcha. So Richie Valens, it's something you were introduced to early. What's a what's something that you came across on your own that you decided like what's the first record you picked? Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam's ten. Um, and the reason why is because after leaving my grandma, I went to live with my parents, and they weren't really uh, too hip on what was hip. They listened to Barry Mallow and stuff that made me and my brother just kind of cringe. And so we'd have to discover music on our own, and it was late at night usually, where whilst everyone was asleep, I would tiptoe over to the radio and put on whatever station I wanted to. And I remember the song Even Flow, but I didn't know the lyrics for many years. You know how it is with Pearl Jam. Yeah. <laughs> and so I remember kind of, you know, uh, Mouthing it out, you know, you know, as a little kid, you know, I was like, wow, that's so cool, you know, and and uh, I got to like my first grade class, and I was asking around, you know, kind of doing the song, like, hey, do you know that song? It's and and so uh, one kid finally was like, yeah, I know that song, you know, and he brought a Walkman to school. And I listened to some real 90s rock from the first time of what, what was modern, you know, and, and it just yeah. kind of kept avalanching from there the interest. Also, the taboo of not being able to listen to rock at home because my parents were, you know, Christian squares, for lack of a better word. So, gotcha. uh, you know, but that was the obsession. That's, that's where it began was uh, just um, kind of an, a freer environment, you know, with, with my very... Uh, cosmically minded grandma playing Richie Valens and uh and the Stones and and John Lennon at home and so from there kind of growing an obsession particularly with rock music gotcha. you know, just because it was inaccessible and it was hard again during my rebellious years I I got into it even harder so you know that's you know the obsession was there. That's a medium, just like charcoal is a medium. You don't have to be, you know, obsessed, particularly with rock music, to, to, to live in that art and that music. You know, you can be a jazz musician. But for me, it was that. Sure. You know, that that was, that was my medium, and so that's what I grew into. Awesome. Did, did you have anyone in your family who played music? Did you have it around you like that, or was it just something that kind of came uniquely from you? Only the black sheep of my family play music Interesting. Uh, yeah my uncle definitely a, a black sheep you know I appreciate him for he was you know later in life but he was definitely uh yeah just involved in all the wrong things oh yeah <laughs> you know but that's a different story for a different time gotcha. but yeah uh somebody that was lauded and talked about it in in the sense of a musician in the household was my uncle okay what do you play he was in a Latin jazz band okay he played percussion oh, mainly cool. but he then went to write music and sing later in his life, which I think was um, particularly inspiring. You know, he he was always behind the tambales or other forms of percussion, and finally, like in his late forties, fifties, he stepped out from that and, and started writing uh, and showcasing all the songs that he had in his brain for wow. decades. Wow! He even wrote like a little fifties style ballad, which is kind of you know off 
off the wall for what he does, but you know, yeah, yeah. that's amazing to to kind of be liberated like that. Did you so at the, were you aware of that at the time when that was going on? Um, I was aware of my uncle growing up for all all the right and wrong reasons, you know. Um, and uh, I was aware of him as a musician, you know, and uh, and that was just kind of like that small little window of like maybe I can do that too, you yeah. know. Um, my mom was musically inclined. She played the saxophone and she sang, had a, like a soprano voice or something like that, you know? Wow. And yeah. Uh, yeah. And something happened with her, I guess, it, kind of a similar upbringing where that got shut down, you know, and mm. so, you know, that kind of became cyclic and generational, but she was gifted. And I, I like to think that some, some of the things that I do are genetically passed on, you know, hopefully, sure. you know? But yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So what's the first thing that you created on your own, I guess? And so you've got some family influences. You've got some music that's being presented to you that you're into. You're finding a little bit on your own. When, I guess, what's your first instrument? My first instrument was piano. Okay. In a weird way, I, I would sneak in as a little kid. Um, I, I mean, I would skip class all the time and I would sneak in the room, music room and play that thing that I didn't know how to play and that I became obsessed by, you know, mm. and then, then even know how to play for many years later after that. But that was my first uh, obsession as far as an instrument goes. Interesting. Uh, how old? I was like, I started doing that when I was six or seven years old. Gotcha. You know, in that yeah. same elementary until, you know, basically uh, <laughs> yeah. I got kicked out of the room. So. Oh, yeah. That, that's funny, though. You were like drawn, you were drawn to it. You were digging it. Yeah. And so, so when, I guess, later on, what, what did you pick up? Was it piano again or was it something else? Or In, in my teens, I was convinced that I, it had to be guitar. Okay. You know, just because that's, you know. That's what it got all the girls was, you know, you playing them guitar <laughs> in the middle of a, of intermission, you know, I'd go on the roof and play guitar, you know, at, at my high school because nice. I didn't care about class, but, you know, and so, and that's what it was. And uh, I learned stuff like the pumpkins, uh, all the genetic, you know, sing-along songs when I was a teen, just so I can sing them, you know. Yeah. And that's where, where that started, but. Um, no, I totally yeah. understand what you mean. Yeah. And it was, it was the same for me too when I was growing up. I started off playing bass. But nobody knew, you know, bass lines or anything like that. So I would try to show people stuff and I was like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't care. And so I, I learned guitar for the exact same reason you said I wanted to play things that people knew, yeah. you know, make people happy or whatever. Yeah. So did, did you did you feel like you were doing that? Were people digging it at the school and everything when you're playing? Oh, yeah. And it was a very small group of people, though. I, you know, still like the uh, the weirdos. You know? I gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I, I got uh, reception early on, made a lot of friends through through that alone and just going to people's houses and then wanting to play music together was nice. like uh you know it's like the community that i i didn't know ever existed that i found you know and, and yeah. so uh so this is in ulis in ulis yeah. yeah so what did y'all have any bands at the school that's that's something i'm i'm curious about the big band in that school was called where's my latte <laughs> I think I, remember, I think I remember that band. That sounds familiar, actually. That's pretty cool. They, they were goofballs, yeah. But uh, never heard from them after high school, unfortunately. And so yeah, it's I. Uh, well, yeah, I guess I know that. That's how high school goes sometimes. Yeah. So sometimes never see those people again. But that I, why I'm curious about that is because I feel like when when we were growing up, you know, young back in the day, things were. Uh, there was more music in the schools. There was more bands and stuff like that. I feel like um, as someone who I teach and I, there's just not that, I don't know, network or there's not just a group of students. Oh, this so-and-so is in these bands. There's a very few, there's a couple, but it's not, I remember it being, being kind of more readily available. Oh, these people are, the band. I'm going to go to the show, you know, let's play music. It's around. Did you find, did, was there that at your school? Like, did, were you, were there other people that you were playing with uh, or that were playing other stuff? What was it like there? I tried starting like a couple of garage bands. <clears throat> yeah. One of them was with the now famous comedian Dustin Ibarra. So I hope he's listening because nice. he just got the shout out. Um, and uh, it was funny. We, we tried to do some like Stone Temple cover band, you know. That's uh, awesome. 
and I was in a band that was definitely pop punk and emo esque of the times, okay. you know, early two thousands, you know. Um, but we didn't even get a name. It was just one of those things, you know. Um, gotcha. Yeah. So uh, no, that's that's all I did in high school. And after, right after high school, I started my own thing. Okay. And that band was called You. you. I have a funny story about this band, if you'll let me. So yeah, absolutely. You was formed um, during my 18th year of existence. And uh, we decided that our first show was going to be at the Ridgely Theater. Back when you could book local bands, you know, that were coming up, you know, at the theater. Yeah. I think it was the only place anyway in that building to play. So we played uh, that show after six months of writing songs, maybe less. And uh, it wasn't very good. Uh, I was I was high as fuck. <laughs> and... Um, we all decided we'd wear different costumes. Uh, our basis was the pirate. I was the Mad Hatter, but instead of having a Mad Hatter tux, I had a white tux. So I'll get to that later. Uh, our guitarist was death, and our drummer was just dressed as himself. Um, and so I had to, I had to really go to the bathroom that night. <laughs> I was oh, like no. having some bubble guts, right? Oh, no. Yes, yes. And as I got through playing the solo. And one of my songs, I hear my stomach gurgle. And now it's the first time, only time, <laughs> that I shat my pants oh, on stage. Oh my God. And so I had to uh, face the audience even after our set was done. Oh and I would have God. to crab walk everything off stage. Oh my God. Yes. What did that feel like? Well, I mean, imagine that, but... You're stoned out of your mind. <laughs> so the level, the, the the level of vulnerability, yeah, as as the juice is thrown down your leg, is quite that's quite the highest. I cannot <laughs> imagine. I cannot imagine. That's terrifying. Yes. Oh my god. So okay, <laughs> I uh, I'll share something. I was similar. I didn't shit my pants, but I I, I vomited on stage one time uh, because of, of Red Bull night what was it jaeger bomb night they had three dollar jaeger bombs and my drummer bought me three of them before we played and so we did an encore and i i had to puke all over my keyboardist keyboard and everything and it was caught on camera yeah. at one point it yeah i guess it happens yeah. <laughs> it happens to the best of us I, I guess you know having an experience like that on stage is a release no pun intended <laughs> <laughs> once ah so what the band say like i didn't tell anybody <laughs> I didn't tell anybody. I I I I skirted off stage as soon as I could. So, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and so that was uh, the first real exposure of live performance, and um, of course, you know, being overcome that, you know. Yeah. It's smooth sailing from there. So that's a good perspective. Yes. Yeah, so I I kept going, um, and and growing my skills and abilities into starting better bands, and you know having the same kind of process, you know, over and over until, until finally um, in the winter of 2017, I reconnected with my drummer, the drummer from you, you know, and a few other bands. Yeah. It's kind of like my high school friend. Gotcha. And so I reconnected with him and I'm like, no, but let's really do something this time, you know? And so he's living in this filthy house with pizza boxes to cane and pets that just, shit all over the place and you know the only the only spot in the house that smelled good was the laundry room mm. so that's where we rehearsed in the laundry room in between two washing machines it was a <laughs> it was a keyboard and an electric drum kit you know uh and that's where we made our music on you know and eventually we decided we moved the project from there to my living room which made a little more sense and then Finally, we recruited a guitarist in Dallas who had a space, and then we got a bassist, and, and it went on from there, and that, that we called it Flow State. So that's, okay, interesting. So that's yeah. how Flow State started. You yes. started in the laundry room. In the laundry room. What, what, how, how did the music evolve? Okay, I guess first question is, what's the time span of that? Like, from when it was the two of you to when you were a full band? Like, how long did that take? I think it took... 
it easily took about two years to get more members. Yeah. As the ideas came and developed and our skills developed. Because running in your headphones is uh it's very eye opening. You hear you hear every every nuance mm. that your voice does and doesn't and you know you uh can uh play things back and listen to just your skill level on a song and you know and if things make sense so you were like writing and recording simultaneously yes and it was okay. a okay uh it was a wrench wash repeat process over and over again until we we got the music that we wanted or that we felt we we wanted at that time and when we got up on that level then we took it to outside members so they could collaborate gotcha. right to it but it was a lot of growing up. It's still a lot of growing up. For sure. You know? Of course. And, and um, so how did the music change from the beginning of that process when you weren't satisfied with what you were doing to like, okay, now we've got something to show people. Like, what changed? Or how would, I guess, how would you define the music from before or after? Like, what, I guess, what did it sound like and what were you going for? One of the before times, there were songs that I had in theory in my head with messages. And um, I could hear the vocal lines in my head, but it was hard to hear the arrangements and the rest of the music. Mm. And some of those vocal lines that I heard are still true to the music that we have today. Um, Interesting. But back then it was like, okay, well you hear a melody in your head, you start to hum it or you start to whistle it, you know, and try to materialize and try to find, you know, those exact notes on the keyboard. So once you play in the lead melody line, you can actually write a structure to that that supports it. And yeah. so that's how I started building that music. It just being me and the keyboard and, and drums and then once I got that, I would hear the beat, and I'll start with the most simplest thing, just the ones and twos, just a kick in the snare for now, and then uh, let's let's layer more as this goes along, as we can actually feel out the energy of of what this track means and what it's supposed to sound like. Who's who's who do you all? I know artists and bands hate this question, but like, who do you sound like, or who were you, who was your influences? Like, okay, these bands were the, what I was listening to, what we were kind of going for. Back in 2017, I was on like a real indie kick. Like I'm gonna go find the most modern and trending artists that are weird and that are indie. I'm gonna try to emulate that to some level because they're successful, you know? And that, that was my mindset. I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm, I'm weird enough, so let me let me try to, you know, uh, take a, a few pages from success, some successful people, you know, just yeah. to implement that into my process, you know? Absolutely. And so um, it was bands like Low Moon from San Francisco. Okay. Bands like um, Zola Blood. Howling with um, halos, a lot of British, like okay. underground, really uh, atmospheric kind of stuff, you know? Awesome. And so I listened to that thinking, well, I mean, they, they busted out of their scene, you know, uh, they must be doing something right. And so as I listened to that kind of stuff, it became an influence to early writing. Gotcha. But well, what, is, what was it about those, those groups and stuff like that that, like, appealed to you? Like, what what characteristics did you like or I like the layers that they use okay. and sound you know where a lot of uh, conventional I, would, I, I use the word lightly but conventional garage rock okay like uh, and we'll just think of a garage rock band you hear what's very obviously guitar or a few and hear what's very obviously a big bombastic drum kit, right? Yeah. And um, I, I like it. I like I like a lot of it. You know, I, I think uh, from that sound, uh, great artists such as Black Keys emerged. You know, and, and, and things yeah. that I wildly love. But I also like modernity, and I like something that's not also obvious as 
as far as what it's trying to sell, mm. you know. And so those bands, I think, encapsulated that with the atmospheric layers, with the modulations on the vocals, with the patches on the rhythm section. Mm. It, it kind of it transported me to like a, a different plane of thought to a certain degree, you know. And That's awesome. And it really influenced me early on. Although Flow State is a rock band, we tried to analyze it and decimate it in Flow State is a rock band. And the reason why is because the other two members are just rock and roll dudes. And so um, it plays nicely with the balance that we were trying to achieve. But yeah, it became eventually a rock band. No, for awesome. sure. So, what are yeah. the names of the other of the of the two new people? And did they come in at the same time, or was it kind of one and then the other? Well, okay. Well, let me introduce the band. They're not here, but <laughs> maybe next time. Um, our drummer's name is Kenneth Everly. Our bassist is Colin Defner, and our guitarist is Terrence Eason, but we call him Ty. Ty. Yeah, and uh, we acquired Colin. Uh, shortly after we moved the music out to Dallas for a little bit to that uh, house where the original guitarist lived. And so we acquired him. We we were there in that setting writing songs for about six to eight months. And um, during which time, it's funny to note, our drummer very impulsively sent our uh, demo recordings to a man named Jeff Rickley. Uh, Jeff Rickley is the singer for Thursday. Oh, wow. Yes. <laughs> I was like, that rings a bell. Okay. <laughs> and he also produced My Chemical Romance, you know. Yeah. Our, our drummer loves post-hardcore. He's like into thrice big time. Yeah, and, me too, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> you guys will get along great. That's funny. Uh, I might go see thrice here coming up, but anyway. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, and, and so uh, Jeff was somebody he really admired. And uh, there was a small fee he paid Jeff just so they could consult together. And awesome. we did a Zoom chat with Jeff. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. That's cool. How'd that go? It was, uh, it, was, it was a very awe-inspiring moment. I was very humbled uh, by this man who had so much knowledge and who was humble himself. And so when it came to kind of uh, reviewing what then were very, in my opinion, very undeveloped vocals he was very gentle about it you know mm. which i appreciate mm. for but he but he also gave it to me straight like okay well you know these nuances are you know losing a key of the song or whatever you know he just laid laid the advice for that he, then he said stuff like well you know when i started thursday everybody uh, knew me as um as tuneless jeff <laughs> he couldn't carry the tune he he couldn't find the key and so uh, I thought that was really interesting. I was like, "Wow, really? You too?" You know. And so, yeah. Um, it's, it's, it was a really, it That's was, awesome. it was a really good experience just to know. Okay, well, I'm not the only one that does 200 takes to get it right. Yeah, you know, like, sure. <laughs> so, Gotta, me, I, me and my wife have had this back and forth for this very thing that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And there's like, I'm sure there's some word in another language for it, in German or French, that captures what we're. There's not a word in English where it's like humbled is the closest thing i think we get but you you see somebody that you really highly respect and look up to yes and they either make a mistake or admit to making a mistake and it's like gives you the permission to forgive yourself i guess if that makes any sense yes. but it's like what is that called <laughs> like what it's it's like the opposite of schadenfreude or something which is not an english word anyways but yeah i don't know what do you? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Acceptance. That's, yeah, it's, I don't know. I think I think that's beautiful. That's really yeah. awesome that you got to got to do that. So, how did? I know that I keep. I'm just very curious about this. Like, so you have your your keyboard and drum stuff that you've been working on, and then you bring it to the to the guys. What changed? Did anything change, or did they just like lock into what you guys had done, or was like how did the group dynamic kind of like work in, in regards to the creation of the music? Well. It was um, it was definitely more of an evolution than before because now I had to adopt this lounge singing style to um, something that was very much rock and roll. It was a, a rock and roll animal, 
And so um, that meant, okay, well, you know, all those airy little things that you do, well, you have to now hold them with your diaphragm. You know, mm-hmm. it changed the way that I sang completely. Wow. Yeah. What, what was it? The bass? Was it the guitar? Like what? It was uh, the culmination of all of it. The, the, the bass kind of, um, when we started working on these shells, the bass found his own place, but he also had a very aggressive tone and aggressive way of playing. It, it was more, um, well, it's Colin Defner, first of all, but you know, if I were to compare it, it, it would be more Justin Chancellor inspired than it was James Jamerson, if you gotcha. understand. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, and so it, it was, it kind of moved the music in a way that we almost had to change the drive of it and, and alter it further. And, um, and so then it starts to take on that, that rock persona, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's something, unless you're a bass player, a lot of people don't, I think, think about the amount of impact that bass lines or bass players can have on the songwriting process. Mm-hmm. Um, because if, you know, you can have, do have the ones that do the same thing over and over again, but if you're having someone who's doing something with it, it can, it can change a lot. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess obviously for the better, right? Like in this, like, it, so how did you, did, did you, what's your role? Let me ask you this. Like, are you the sole songwriter or are y'all collaborative? I guess the two of you guys write it. Is it a four, is it a d- democratic process? Like how does that work? I've written, um, around 50 songs. Okay. Uh, just, uh, in my, in my own, environment and so i have lyrics for days and concepts and things to talk about that i've been sitting on and thinking about very obsessively for a long time okay. so right now i'm just like a like a chicken up bottle just exploding all over the place uh, lyrically and you know that that's probably i still have a few more albums in me you know after this upcoming ep and then the next one there's still more material to write about because that's just the uh, the guy that I I've been since a kid, you know. So let's talk about that. What 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 are you? I mean, you're writing writing lyrics. Mm-hmm. How 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 are you doing that? Like, what's your inspiration? What's your process for writing these lyrics? Well, there's two processes that I go through. One is making a, a track of music, and then saying, oh, wow, you know what would really fit that? The song that I wrote. You know, I just, I hear the words in there because of the mood of the music that we create. Hmm. And the other one, the other approach is very different. And this approach, I create a track of music and I ask the people in the room, what does this song feel about? What does this say to you? Mm. you know? And so then we build things off a of concept. And so there I'll spend maybe up to two hours um, writing to the rhythm, using a pentatomer that fits the rhythm of we've, what we've created. Interesting. And I use a thesaurus because I like rhymes. That's part of my style. It's, it's either going to be a syllabic rhyme or it's going to be a true rhyme. So I'm, I'm, I'm phrasing things in a way that they rhyme and support the concept of what we're talking about. Is it uh, inner struggle? Is it something a little more basic like love? You know, uh, is it um, another human emotion or is it a place we're talking about? And so um, it's like writing poetry at that point. Yeah, absolutely. That's, do you have any... Like, do you, have you studied poetry? Do you study literature? Do you have any inspiration from that angle or any influence? I read a lot of poems okay. back in the day. Yeah. Uh, you know, in required reading, we, we read stuff like Edgar Allan Poe, too. Which yeah. Is, he was a big syllabic rhymer. And, you know, I think Poe was probably the the main influence as a teen who felt very goth at the time. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so. I could see that. I could see that. Wow. That's really cool. So when you so you're writing these lyrics in this way, do they do you sit down and do them? You have like a set time, like okay, I'm gonna write lyrics. I do it at night before I go to bed, or is it just does it come to you and you gotta like jot it down, or like how do how do you make it? How do you make them? You type them out. Well, um, a lot of the early songs came to me 
just almost like through instant transmission. I was I would uh, get this itch and I'd go to the yard and I'd grab a plastic bucket and I'd start banging on the bucket and creating rhythm since you know I was underprivileged kid with no instruments. So that's what this would add. So and so I I bang on this bucket and I start to chant and then add melody to the poetry that I hear in my head. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes the idea would bug me all day. I'd be in two or three periods of classrooms and, you know, out here like, you know, something, you know, and I had to get it out, you know. So at the end of school every day, I'd sometimes just right then and there, just get it out. Gotcha. And so, of course, the process changed. Now it's more like I hear I listen to something that really inspires me, and then it creates something that's kind of unique in my head. Mm-hmm. And I'll have that, and I'll be walking around with that all day. And so instead of getting a bucket and banging it with a stick, you know, I'll sit down in front of a piano and pick those notes out and see if I could create something with this. Or I would get in the car after work or whenever it is. And I would hum or or sing whatever it is I was hearing in my head. Yeah, you know, and from there built something that feels natural to me. You know, it's, that's so important to having that recording capability process. Yes, just to kind of do this. Okay, I'm saving this for later, because yeah, there's so many times where you have an idea or something in your head, and if you don't do that, you're not gonna remember it. You know, it's like it's, oh, I had that really cool thing. I was gonna do that cool thing, and then it's and then it's just gone. So. That's that, that's really cool, man. So I think you're like you're real active with that stuff. It's it's really it's very different for me. <laughs> I, I I admire what what you your like your process because like mine's a much more scatterbrained, haphazard sort of thing. I just put stuff on sticky notes as it comes to me and like come back to it whenever I get the time to actually come back to it and look at something and hope I know what it meant. What I you know it meant what it meant when I wrote it down <laughs> or whatever, right? But uh, I think that's really cool, dude. Like you've got all these different kind of inspirations, different things coming in. How uh, how are the other guys contributing to that in, in flow state? Well, it all started very much um, with the foundations that I had been recording and that I brought to the table. The process has uh, kind of softened and broken apart and away from that over the last two years. Okay. Um, on two occasions, the, the bass starts tracks, and we've modeled a lot of our arrangements after uh, some initial bass line, you know? And it, then cool. it's a process where it's like, okay, what song fix this, you know? It's this song, you know, naturally. You know? Yeah. So, um, um, the guitar has started a couple of tracks as well especially in our new stuff. So um, things, other other elements are, are starting to inspire the process where it's no longer just me bringing uh, an, an idea or a track of music. There's now room to create and we're, we're better for it. Awesome. You know, I, can't, I can't wait to play in front of you and, and everybody else at yeah. our next show because we'll be unleashing those kinds of songs as well. That'll be awesome. Yeah. At Mass, what, what you said, March... Uh... Uh, March 19th. 19th. Yeah. 19th. Yeah. Okay, awesome. I'll definitely be sure to promote that. And I'll do, Thank my, you. do my best to be there. Yeah, I'd love to catch some of that. Um, so, oh, man, what was I going to ask you about your... So, I, I it's, it's silly because I haven't heard your stuff, and I'm looking forward to hearing your stuff. Okay. And it's like, these wouldn't be questions had I heard, you know, had, if I had had this. But I haven't, and for the listener, probably maybe haven't either. So, um, what's your guitar tone like? Like what are your what are your yeah what's your let's start there, okay so. There are some general rules about the kind of guitar tone that I enjoy that I really enjoy. <laughs> the first rule is play with your bridge pickup. The second rule is. Um, cut the high end, okay. Uh, third rule is. Add reverb, and delay, okay. Uh, I guess um, that encapsulate a, that encapsulates a lot of the music and the tones that I really enjoy. You know, uh, darker sounds for sure. You know, uh-huh. but also a guitar that can play well into the mid range and you know, uh, teetering on the upper range as well. You know, um, and uh, and sometimes I like the 
a bridge pickup, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, not 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 just a neck pickup. Did I say bridge at first or neck? No, you said bridge at first. Yeah, okay. bridge only or, or neck only. Well, I like the neck better. Okay, for, for a lot of okay. things, you know, versus and everything else. Um, yeah. And I encourage the use of the bridge too. And there's some songs where it, it gets all the way up there because you know you're boosting frequencies that you need to access. But mm-hmm. but it, most most of our music lives in the neck pickup and the bridge pickup. Gotcha. Yeah, and uh, and the Gibson guitar. Gibson. Our guitarist plays a Gibson Thunderbird. Oh wow! Yeah, very cool. And uh, I can't wait for you to hear him. He's uh, he's really uh, makes us sound way better than we should. You know, really just a wonderful guy, and he he sounds like Slash sometimes, and he, <laughs> sometimes he'll sound like uh, uh, like David Gilmore, and sometimes he'll just make these uh, beautiful walls of sound like My Bloody Valentine. Awesome. So. So he's a very cool. psychedelic guy, you know. So when was y'all's first show? You said 2017. I guess is when y'all started working together. But when I guess and when and where was that? So once the um, the era with our guitarist um, came along, so we had that one. Then we did the thing with Jeff, and then he he faced out himself out of that. He lost interest. You know? So then we 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 caught Ty at the right moment where he needed a band, you know. So everybody was, you know, locked down. He wanted to do something else, so we got him. And so it was uh, maybe less than four months after that that we played the Ridgely Lounge. Yeah, you know how things come around. Oh, yeah. Back to the Ridgely. <laughs> and uh, thankfully, I didn't shit myself that time. <laughs> That's good. That's and, good. I bet that was that was it triggering coming back in there. It, 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 well, I mean, I was like, well, the last time I was here, I, I shot on the stage. <laughs> like, it's not going to be that bad this time. No, no, Couldn't it, possibly. No, it wasn't the theater, but uh, I did pass through by the theater and, and have all sorts of memories. I'm like, wow. You know? Yeah. Well, this is uh, definitely the redeeming show. So who who would, do y'all have any bands in the area that you play, you know, you get along well with, you play shows with like brother band, sister band sort of thing? there any any people in the scene that have been you know i don't know working well with you guys i, I everybody that we've reached out to is um has has been real friendly awesome. and amazing and easy to work with and we can't really say at this point oh there's a band that we you know love to lot or over <laughs> over the next one you know but big heaven showed out for our first two shows and uh you know uh that, that meant a lot to us, and uh, we really appreciate them, you know. Hell so, yeah. Uh, give it up for her for uh, actually opening two times for, for us, which, you know, that's... Hell yeah. We should have been the other way around, but, you know. That's yeah, awesome, though. Yeah, she, she's, she's a cool cat, and her band is cool, so... Hell yeah. Uh, yeah, good, good people. And, and, um, and everybody else that I've met that, that I like, that, um, that I want to work with, it, you know, just solid gold out here. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. I think that's that's kind of what's cool about Fort Worth. I think more often than not, people people are willing to work with each other, help each other and stuff. But that's kind of what makes... What's your impression of, I guess, the DFW area or Fort Worth in general? Like, you, you know, I know, you're saying it's good, but, like, what, what do you... Compared to, I don't know, where other places, or what do you think? What's your impression of this, this scene? I don't want to put words in your mouth. <laughs> that's fine. Um... You know what? It's more active than it was when I was living in San Diego for a little while. Um, and it's definitely better as far as quality bands per capita. Okay. Interesting. Yes. To, in my opinion, when I got here uh, from from living back in California, I returned in 2013. And there were bands like Animal Spirit and Cerebro Chauffeurs yeah. and... Um, uh, and other bands in, in that realm, Leon Bridges was still at the embargo yeah. doing open mics. <laughs> so you gotta, you gotta, you gotta understand that the the impression that left me, that left me with, you know, as somebody who had been around the music scene that was bare bones to something mm-hmm. that lush and rich as far as music goes. Yeah. And so quickly decided, you know, okay, well if I'm gonna do music, it's gonna be here, you know. 
what was it like in San Diego, music wise? Like, what was what was different? I suppose venues. There's no venues. There's maybe one, and they play cover bands a lot. Gotcha. So the musicians that I hung out with in San Diego were, um, once you know, they were uh, they were scarce, and the only ones I really hung out with were at the live of the mics at House of Blues in San Diego. Wow. Yeah, and I I would sing for them, you know, and so. That's cool. Yeah. It was a cool experience because I didn't have to have any commitments. I would just show up and drunkenly sing with my, <laughs> my boys in the band. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and so, um, and I did get into uh, playing at the time um, a little more guitar, tried uh, my hand on at drums, you know. Uh, nice. But yeah, but as far as starting bands or what we have here in, in Fort Worth alone, it doesn't compare at all not in my opinion uh ocean beach california which is where i used to surf for a little bit they have uh reggae bands and stuff there you know so so maybe a handful more than which have in san diego proper gotcha but yeah it was still really scarce yeah that's really interesting yeah i just i've lived here my whole life i haven't really i've traveled but not nearly as much as i want to so i just don't have the perspective on that i think it's great here too but i feel like just a homer you know <laughs> i'm just oh it's just awesome here dude you know but like uh i really do i agree i think we've got something special here for for the most part there is a little bit of elitism that i think that's maybe kind of in any any place where you have a bunch of people doing any any sort of art people uh you know there is a little favoritism here and there on certain things but i think overall it's a pretty healthy scene it's not toxic there isn't a bunch of drama or people talking shit to each other and stuff um, so good, man. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. So, who are you playing on the with with on the 19th? We're gonna play with Rebecca Joswiak of Signals and Alibis. She's one of my favorite people and musicians. Just uh, based on what I'd already told you about some of my music taste, that she really fits. She really awesome. fits in there, and uh, she has a project now that's not Signals and Alibis. She's kind of left that in the past uh, for now. But her new project is called Poems in Parentheses. Cool. That's, I like that. And it's her with keyboards and loopers. Oh, I've wow. seen this before. I've seen Rebecca do this. And believe me, it does not disappoint. Sweet. Yes. Well, that sounds fun. Um, also, Little Beards. Little Beards. Little Beards will be joining us. I am so honored. <laughs> that is an awesome name. I'm not familiar with Little Beards, but it's a fantastic name. Well, uh, maybe you've heard of Nervous Kearns. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's Sean Kirkpatrick of Nervous Kearns. Okay. And forgive me, I'll have to look up his wife. I don't know her name right off the bat. She's new to me, but, okay. you know, um, it's cool. it's them. And they are an amazing dark wave synth pop duo. Wow. Mm -hmm. That sounds that sounds like an awesome show. Yeah, just the two of them are just going to blow me away. I, I'm sure of it. Um, headlining that show is a band who's kind of not in that mix of sound, but they're, uh, they're doing their own thing. Uh, I, I applaud them for it. Their name, are, their name is Sharpie. Sharpie. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, I've heard of those guys too. Yeah. Sweet. Well, that's definitely going to sound, that's going to be fun. Yes. Oh. Yes, it will be. Uh, awesome. So what's your, y'all are about to release or some, you're working on an EP or a full length? What do you guys got coming up here in, in the near future? Well, we had a full length album. But uh, after Jeff, Jeff Rickley, he decided to <laughs> shop that down and, and <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> put our put only our, <laughs> our best songs out there. And uh, and so it's an EP now. And that EP is called Darkness and Light. Uh, it should be released here in the next two weeks. Oh, awesome. Oh, that, okay, badass. Yes. Well, I look forward to hearing that, too. And we'll hear it after the, after the end of the episode. We'll play one of the songs. Okay. We don't. We don't. Uh, we'll figure out which one. Which one it is. But awesome. I look forward to hearing that. So what? Okay. Now that we all got once y'all have got that done, you got that out. Do you have new stuff that you're working on, or what's your goal? Like, what's your next short term goal as a band? Well, I just purchased a tour van. Oh wow! Yeah. So these guys are gonna pitching on gas and we're going to get down to San Antonio and San Marcos and Austin area. Hopefully take the music out there. That's one goal. That sounds fun. And the other goal is to record our next album in the studio with uh, Joe Tacky of Clowland. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Badass. Yeah. 
that's that's very exciting. So yeah, it sounds like you guys got a lot going a lot going for you here and a lot coming up in the near future. Way too much to do. I'm I'm looking forward to it though. I'm looking forward yeah. to it too, man. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming in. This has been fantastic, buddy. Oh, uh, uh, thank you, thank you uh, for having me. Do you mind if I give the listeners a little bit of information about the psychedelic panther? Not at all. No. Oh, that's dude. <laughs> that's right. That's what we came here to talk about. Actually, that's kind of what we. I was burying the lead there. I'm so sorry. I got I got lost in in, in all of the other stuff. Yes, let's please talk about that. I'm so sorry. Well, on April fifteenth. Through April 17th, we're going to have 29 bands from all corners of the DFW area play face-melting tunes at Main and Southside. That is 1002 South Main Street in Fort Worth. If you want to go ahead and purchase tickets or just get information, the website is www.worldwideweb.psychedelicpanther.com. Some of your favorite and most highly reviewed bands will be in attendance Bands like Uncle Toasty, bands like Phantom Mellow, bands like the Helium Queens out of Denton, and a few more other bands from Dallas, Denton, and Fort Worth. We're trying to do this to ignite a collaborative spirit among all three corners of our scene. Uh, so I think it's beautiful. The bill is amazing. And the, the flyer looks awesome, too. This is going to be super, super fun. And Mass, I know, is super excited about it. Did you did you help organize this thing? Is this something? Is this like a baby of yours? It is a baby. I was microdosing mushrooms for three months whilst I was a Amazon delivery driver. There you go. And so something happened. Uh, I had a serious epiphany. And at this point, it was something that had already started speaking into existence. Just by going to see my favorite bands and friends play something that I had whispered kind of into the air at that point. And it, I think maybe five or seven shows down the line while I, I was microdosing on mushrooms, it just hit me. First of all, I'm going to ask a venue if they would even like that. They said, oh, yeah, yeah, you got the people? I'm like, okay, hold the phone. <laughs> mass, mass Facebook chat message to everybody in town. And like 99% were on board. Wow. And I couldn't be more thankful to that, to the fact that they want to support that concept. Because they know it's it's a big thing. I know it's bigger than me, than I'll, you know, than I'll ever be. I'm trying to create something here that, that'll last and become a Fort Worth tradition. And I think they know that too. Yeah, dude. So. I, I And I think that's beautiful. Yeah. Like Fort Worth... Ha occasionally has had things like that, but I don't think has anything like that at the moment. And like, it's, it's so badass that you, you took, you know, you took it upon yourself to do this. Um, what was that like to, to do something like that? Like, I know it hasn't pulled, it hasn't, it's not finished yet. And I was like, maybe more catharsis <laughs> after it's finished, but like, but what was that like putting this together? Like it's like, well, organizing the talent was easier than organizing everything else like, because the talent, I'm an artist and they understand me. We're all speaking the same language. Sure. You know, do you want to do this? Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, we're on the same wavelength, you know. But getting the talent and working out logistics and um, not getting the talent, getting the vendors, working out logistics, mm. those things did pose challenges. Uh, I'm still trying to fill three vendor slots. Uh, but that's just uh, to cover house cost, you know, because it's a first year running, so we need all the vendors to pay a booth fee and gotcha. this and that, you know, everything that comes with like a natural festival, just a little more scaled down. But even so, it was my first time doing that and I had to step outside of my artist brain into my uh, organizational brain. And so that, that's been, you know, that's, that's its own little stress, but it's rewarding. It really is. Every time you're able to seal the deal or get somebody on board that really wants to do it, uh, anytime you're able to work something out, like an interview, for example, like a podcast. This yeah. is an amazing feeling right now. That the, the, the fact that I can uh, be be uh, gifted a platform at all just to to promote it. That's yeah, that's pretty man. big. Well, so. I, well, I'm I'm no, I'm glad that you get to be here and do this, man. This is this is awesome. It's I is would you agree that there's a artistic process in in program in doing this and like putting this together? Absolutely. It's um. It's, it's definitely an artistic process because 
I designed the flyer. Um, I'm, it's designed That's the great. website. <laughs> so there, there's there's things you got to know how to do. You know, like you got to find a way to, to package this and present it to people. And uh, all that takes art or an artistic mind. Yeah. You know, uh, also your level of interfacing. You know, that's an art. I 100% agree. Yeah. I think that's that's such an important thing, and, and some I don't know some people don't recognize it at that, but you can be creative with that. You know. Yes. You can be understanding and try to you know create new things out of that. So I think that's beautiful, man. I am super stoked for you. This is going to be I'm super fast. I'm so excited. And I'm stoked for the city, too. I think yeah. I, we need a, a new festival like this. It's going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to be a great time. So, uh, yeah, look forward to, to seeing more of those and hearing more of those. And I look forward to the Flow State show, too. So let's hit those two dates one more time before we're done. All right. So our next show is going to be March 19th at Main at Southside, same venue. Psychedelic Panther will be at Main at Southside on April 15th through April 17th. And this is a two-stage event, so if you don't catch one band on the inside, you can catch them on the outside. All three days, the first day is going to be indoors, and Flow State will be there playing, along with Uncle Toasty and Phantom Mello. Please come join us. Hell yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Joseph. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Yeah. That was good. I'm so sorry. I fucking I <laughs> got lost in our conversation. It's okay. We, we made...